Welcome to the latest podcast from Greyfriars Church in Reading. Our vision is to see Reading transformed by the love and power of Jesus. You can find out more on our website, greyfriars.org.uk. Enjoy. Well, it's great to be here and to worship with you in person. And it's also great for everyone joining on YouTube or any other social media channel. My name is George, for those who don't know me, and along with my wonderful wife, Rachel, and twin boys, Theodore and Gabriel, we've been worshiping at Greyfriars for the last nine years. And over the course of last year, just as most of you may also have experienced, was a time of intense challenges for me and my family from a personal and professional point of view. Yet, in the midst of all these challenges, Jesus came and ministered to me and put a new song in my heart. And it's that song of joy with which I'm coming today with energy and motivation to speak to you about building God's kingdom and how each and every one of you in this church and online have a part to play in building God's kingdom. So before I get into Nehemiah 2, I'd like to pray for us. Spirit of the living God, I pray that you pour afresh into each and every heart that's in church and that's watching online, that we may be filled with your power, with your strength, and with your confidence to build your kingdom today and not to delay even for a second in taking your good news and your acts of kindness and love to everyone around us. I pray all this in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. Amen. So we're continuing on in the series of Nehemiah that David wonderfully kicked us off last week in terms of Nehemiah's power and strength from God our Father to rebuild Jerusalem. Now, as we learned from last week, the first thing Nehemiah did was to repent and go in front of God to ask for God's wisdom, power, and strength to start rebuilding Jerusalem. But there were a few challenges along the way that he had to overcome. So as we look in Nehemiah 2, this is the opportunity for Nehemiah to take a step forward and to boldly proclaim the good news of God and to rebuild Jerusalem. Now, let me give you some context here as to the challenges that Nehemiah had to overcome. The first thing was that his role was a rather ordinary role as a cupbearer in front of a very powerful king called King Artaxerxes. Now, he was the sixth king of the Medo-Persian Empire, a very powerful empire, but he had lots of enemies. And one of the ways in the past that people could get rid of their kings or enemies was to poison their wine. So Nehemiah had a role to play in tasting the wine of the king, and if it was poisonous, Nehemiah would die instead of the king. So he was an ordinary man, his role was expendable, yet God's intense favor was on him. He was not a prophet or a warrior, but an ordinary man that God used to build his kingdom. 
And I want to say this to everyone who is in church and who is listening. If you feel ordinary and you can't take part in God's kingdom, let me tell you, you're in good company. Because God can use each and every one of us to build his kingdom and to touch lives. So Nehemiah has this important role, yet he's nervous in front of the king. The king hardly recognizes Nehemiah because he's just a cupbearer. But God's intense favor was on Nehemiah. And as it says in Nehemiah 2, Nehemiah was incredibly sad in front of the king. Now, this is what I call as the tipping point. In your life, when you go and build God's kingdom, Jesus will give you what I call the tipping points. And the tipping point is one where if you step forward with God's strength and power, he will start touching lives. Now, Nehemiah's tipping point here was his intense sadness. He had never been sad before, as it says in the Bible. So the king rightly asked him, why are you so sad? And he talked about the intense pain he felt for his people, how the city of his ancestors were in ruins, and how he wanted to do something about it. So this tipping point, which was the sad face on Nehemiah was the doorway of opportunity that God used to build his kingdom. Now, when you come across this tipping point, you have to boldly walk in through that door of opportunity that God is giving. And Nehemiah did exactly that. He boldly walked in, and even though he was terrified, terrified, he boldly spoke out and said, I want to play a part in rebuilding God's kingdom. I need help. And because the intense favor of God was on Nehemiah, Nehemiah then boldly took the next step, which is to ask the king for safe passage. But he didn't stop there. He said, I need resources. I need an army to guide me through the different districts and provinces, and I need timber to rebuild the walls. So when God gives you that tipping point, with the courage and favor and confidence of God, you have to step forward and ask for the resources that are needed, like Nehemiah did to King Artaxerxes. Now, Nehemiah had a rather ordinary role in front of the king. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, we have an even better position. Just as Nehemiah came in front of the king, as brothers and sisters of Jesus Christ, we can boldly come in front of God our Father. We can come with our King of Kings, who is Jesus Christ, and boldly come to the throne of God our Father and ask for the resources we need to build God's kingdom. It says in Hebrews 4.16, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. We have an even better position than Nehemiah. We are sons and daughters of the living God. We can boldly come to his throne and say, I need the resources to build your kingdom. Help me, God. And if that is not enough, Jesus intercedes on our behalf to grow God's kingdom. 
it says in Romans 8.34, Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So we can come boldly before God our Father, asking for resources, and Jesus will intercede for us as we boldly proclaim the good news and build God's kingdom. Now, as you go through the tipping point and ask God for the resources, you will inevitably come across disappointment, mockery, and confusion. Now, this is not new news to almost every one of us in here. Jesus was mocked, ridiculed, chastised when he was proclaiming the good news. Yet he persevered on for our sakes and for the sakes of everyone who's in this church, who's watching, and for the world. And he persevered for us with his mission, which has now become our mission, which is to go and make disciples, to lavish Jesus' love and kindness to everyone around us. He persevered. The disciples persevered. They were an ordinary ragtag bunch of fishermen and tax collectors, they didn't think they could change the kingdom. But Jesus called them individually and said, come with me and change the kingdom. They were persecuted, killed, but they still persevered to grow God's kingdom. And that's what we need to do as well. We have the greatest encouragement, which is Jesus Christ, asking us to persevere forward with his power and strength. And as we persevere let us lean on our wonderful community for support, on our home groups, to Reading Church, to Greyfriars Church, to the resources that are available. Let us lean on our resources for encouragement, for support, as we persevere through the disappointment and proclaim the good news and grow God's kingdom. And once we have done our part, let us hold boldly to this truth, which is that when we do our part, we can trust Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit to finish the work that we have started. I confidently believe that the seed that each and every one of you will plant today, tomorrow, will be watered by the Holy Spirit, and it will blossom into abundant fruit, not just tenfold, but a hundredfold. Now, you might be asking me, well, I'm not sure what to say or what to do. What if I say something wrong or do something wrong? Well, if you trust in Jesus and ask him for the resources and boldly step through that tipping point and do your part, Jesus is faithful to do his part. For we know that God's ways are higher than our ways. It says in Isaiah 55, 8 to 9, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Let us confidently believe that if we do our part, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, will transform that seed that we have planted into abundant fruit. Now, I'd like to share with you two personal stories of proclaiming God's good news, where there was a lot of disappointment and discouragement, 
Yet I persevered, believing that the seed that I planted would be watered by the Holy Spirit and produce abundant fruit. I grew up in Sydney, Australia, and as part of the church group there, the youth leader asked us to come and be part of a team that went and knocked on doors in our community to spread the good news of Christ. Now, as a teenager, that terrified me, going and knocking on doors of strangers and proclaiming the good news of Christ and showering them with God's love and kindness. So I decided to go along with a few of our other teenage friends. And after knocking on 20 or 30 doors, we might have had one or two positive, welcoming, encouraging responses. But most of them were just doors that were slammed on our faces. People were laughing at us because we were speaking about the good news of Jesus. And they had better things to do, was their response. Now, I felt pretty disappointed coming out of this. Yet when I came back to the youth leader who was leading us, he said a very important point, which is, you're doing this for God's mission and for God's kingdom. He sees what you're doing and he will produce abundant fruit. Now I took that deep into my heart and a couple of years later, I needed to go back to that reassuring message of Jesus Christ. So I went to college in Los Angeles, to the University of Southern California. And for those who have been to Los Angeles as tourists, you may have seen the more glamorous, glitzy parts of Los Angeles, like Rodeo Drive or Beverly Hills. But where this university was located was in South Central Los Angeles, which is a city, a part of the city, where there are intense contrasts. On one street, intense wealth and opulence. On another street, intense poverty, homelessness, drug addicts. I was part of a CU called InterVarsity there at the University of Southern California. And Scott Hall, who was my mentor there, who was leading this group, asked a couple of us one day randomly, would we like to go and build God's kingdom across our neighborhoods in Los Angeles? In fact, would we like to go to a section of Los Angeles called Skid Row? Now, Skid Row is famous in Los Angeles for homelessness, for drug addicts. And he said, this is where I'd like to go and proclaim the good news. Who is ready to come with me? Now, I had heard from friends that Skid Row was a place where if you went alone by yourself, there's a high chance you won't be walking out alive because of the violence, because of the guns that are prevalent there. A few of us timidly raised our hands and said, yes, we would like to be part of the team that is going to do this. So we went with him. We cooked a ton of spaghetti bolognese because that was the easiest thing to cook. And we took that with us to Skid Row. We went about eight o'clock at night because that's when the homeless people come and that's when the drug addicts come and set up their makeshift tents made out of cardboard. So we went and started serving food and just loving people. At this point, as this was unfolding, 
we were proclaiming the good news, we were sharing God's goodness, a man walked up to me. He was limping and he was muttering something under his breath. I gave him a plate of food and I realized that he was actually speaking to me in Spanish. Now, six months ago, I had the opportunity to go to Mexico City and do an internship as part of my business program. Little did I know that God had a bigger plan. For the Spanish that I learned at that time was going to come to good use to grow God's kingdom. So with whatever Spanish I could remember, I prayed a prayer for this man who was previously a drug addict and a homeless man, and he wanted to change his life. I might have been able to mutter probably 10 words in Spanish, because that's all I knew. But I knew that if I sincerely prayed this prayer with him, and I asked him to repeat it after me, that the seed that I planted in his heart would grow into abundant fruit, and he would go and proclaim the good news to other homeless people and recovering drug addicts. So I'm here to tell you, friends, that I'd like to offer up a challenge, a challenge to Grey Friars today, not to delay, and be part of the kingdom-building program of Jesus Christ. You are all equipped with power from on high to go and proclaim the good news. And as we do that, I'd like to suggest a few steps to help us. First and foremost, let us come to Jesus in prayer and ask him for the heavenly resources we need. And let us come with the mindset as temples of the Holy Spirit. That's right, as temples of the Holy Spirit. It says in Corinthians 6.19, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit? who lives in you and was given to you by God. So as temples of the Holy Spirit, ask for God's supernatural resources to help you build his kingdom. Then ask God to put in your heart, who is your front line? Is it a neighbor? Is it a family member? Is it someone you haven't called for a long time? Is it refugees? Or is it part of the Reading Gateway Church that Nick Hill is leading? Ask God to put that person or that group in your heart. And then to be made aware of the tipping point. And when that tipping point comes, walk boldly and proclaim the good news. And trust in Jesus that once you plant the seed, he will then abundantly water it and produce eternal fruit. For brothers and sisters in Christ, that is the eternal fruit that we should all be striving for. As it says in John 4:36. The, harvests, the harvesters are paid good wages by our heavenly God, and the fruit they harvest is people brought to eternal life. So as I close this in prayer, I'd like to issue two invitations. The first is for someone who is in church or who is listening, and who says that, yes, I want to be part of building Jesus' kingdom, but I don't even know Jesus. I've got lots of questions. Well, today is the day, friend, where I'm opening up this invitation to you and to walk closely with Jesus, whether that is coming at the end of the service to ask for prayer 
or entering into the chat window to ask for prayer and receive Jesus as your personal savior. And the other invitation is for us, including myself, to refocus our attention on Jesus so we can be equipped to do his good work because I am prone to wandering and I need to refocus on Jesus. So let me close this in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for calling us by name to be a part of your kingdom and to build your kingdom here on earth. Holy Spirit, I pray for a fresh anointing on each and every heart that is in church and that's listening online, that you equip us, place in our hearts the person or the group that we need to minister to, make us aware of the tipping point, Give us resources from on high, your supernatural resources to boldly proclaim your good news. And Lord Jesus, let us trust that as we take this first step, that you bless the seeds that we plant and produce abundant fruit for your kingdom. I pray all these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen.